This is Bloomberg Business Week with Carol Masser and Jason Kelly on Bloomberg Radio. As we walk in fields of gold. The cannabis cultivator Golden Seed is among the first of its kind to earn approval for a nationwide public offering from the SEC. Call it, if you will, a mini IPO. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the cannabis business. Business, excuse me. Scott Goldie is uh, with us. He's CEO of Santa Cruz-based Golden Seed, and he joins us in our interactive broker studio on this Friday. Welcome. Nice to have you here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Tell us a little bit about your business. And and I mentioned to you before we got going off air that we had Joe Lasardi of Cureleaf in. So cannabis. Cannabis is certainly, and the industry, something we've talked a lot about over the last two years, going from, I think, a focus so much on the Canadian companies, a little bit more now on the U.S. companies, and now we're just trying to figure out, you know, where the regulatory environment uh, goes and what that means for the growth of the business. Tell us about your company. Golden Seed, uh, we started a couple years ago, and uh, initially to be a cultivator and to sell wholesale uh, cannabis to the market. Uh, we got into a situation where our harvest was reduced uh, with regulatory issues in California. And so we immediately went into the retail market with a product, a pre-rolled joint. And it was very unique in that we included a terpene, drop of terpene. And that's really the aroma and the flavor of the plant. So that same plant's flavor intensified in the joint. And essentially, the first two contests we entered, we, we won the Gold Cup and our brand was really established. And to create enterprise value, I think in cannabis, you can't just be a cultivator. You have to have a lifestyle brand, and Santa Cruz is a perfect place for that. I have to say, I was in Santa Cruz uh, over Christmas break. That checks out. Uh, <laughs> it is such a great laid back uh, part of the country. Uh, I mean, what's interesting too is your you know your background is largely in real estate environmental land remediation so like tie that together for us what have you seen from sort of that uh background that sort of led you here well you know we uh i've been a real estate developer in finance for 30 years my own company for 20 years about five years ago we started buying operating companies that had real estate the first big acquisition was the napa valley wine train and so that ends up with like 17 other pieces of property we could develop about three years ago, the opportunity to buy a nursery in Santa Cruz County that sells conventional plants, that came to us. And so that business has essentially funded the start of the cannabis uh, company. We've parceled off 20 acres that had the appropriate zoning and started that operation. So it's a real estate play and it's also an operating yeah. company play. But, um, so give us a little bit of an idea of the outlook because I think, you know, we're trying to figure out kind of where does the industry go from here? Because I think the regulatory environment is taking slower to evolve, certainly on a federal level, than everybody anticipated. And more states certainly are signing on in terms of medical marijuana and recreational. Um, How do you see it, though? Uh, For us out in California, it's still insulated, right? Because it's not a national market. Uh, The regulatory environment in California is very difficult. Uh, The legal market last year was about $3 billion. The black market in California is estimated at $8 billion. Wow. So, you know, until they can get some really strong compliance and enforcement, that's going to continue to be a challenge. And that challenges the accepted industry, right? Or the legalized industry. On the flip side of that, you know, if you're a producer of legal cannabis, there's a great market for it. Right. And so how how does that imbalance get solved? Like, what are the sorts of regulations 
the sorts of laws or I guess maybe just the the sorts of enforcement that need to happen to sort of bring that uh, essentially the other way, right? That the, that the legal outweighs the illegal. Well, first, I think the regulations need to be clarified and maybe simplified. It's been kind of a disaster the way it's unfolded in California. Uh, the big hurdles for legal weed is the the pesticides, the testing that's required, mm -hmm. the taxes, and there's very arcane rules that are different different by every jurisdiction. I'm in three counties right now, three sets of rules, so it's very. So this is this is largely regulated on the county level, not the state level. Yeah, the state basically delegated the jurisdictions the right to create their own ordinances. Wow. Taxes are different. Everything's different. Even building permit standards. So it makes it really hard to have an enterprise that's in multiple areas. I mean, here, here we've uh, talked about how you have to be vertical in, in a single state because of the lack of, obviously, federal regulation right. or, uh, or anything like that. I did not know that it, Cuts it even went deeper, all the way right? down county to county. I think that's ultimately going to be a challenge when this becomes federally legal, is you have all these different states have yeah. their own rules. All the counties and jurisdictions within the states have their own rules, and I think creating order to that type of market's gonna it's gonna be a challenge so okay so when do you see a more orderly market like is it can you even do you even have that kind of visibility to be to say that i don't know it's going to be another year or it's going to be another five years i think the fe and, and it really is down to the federal government deciding i think that this. i think we're within five years it'll be federally legal mm -hmm. might even be sooner than that recreational and medical all of yeah, it yeah i believe that I actually, you know, in the short term, just from my own company's perspective, it's not bad that it is federally illegal. Right. Because I can establish my brand and presence in California. Right. Which is the lar largest legal market uh, cannabis in the world. So we'd be remiss because we want to talk to you about this approval that you got to do a nationwide public offering to offer shares to the public. Talk to us a little bit about this and why you chose this route. Well, you know, the capital markets and cannabis are difficult. And our company... They're we, not friendly right now. Very, very <laughs> much so. Uh, so we self-funded until we got to the point where we're very close to turning the corner and going cash flow positive. We came to the market, uh, the first cannabis company in the United States, to be qualified by the SEC to sell shares in our private company. Regulation A is unique in that you don't have to be an accredited investor. <clears throat> so we can sell to anyone in the United States or even in the world. So after a little bit, five weeks, uh, we have about 1,200 people that have applied for investment. There's a clearing mechanism, so about 800, 700 official investors. What's mm -hmm. the clearing mechanism? I don't, background okay. checks. You have to provide your ID. California right. requires that. Okay. It takes a couple weeks to clear. Uh, and, you know, it's a very simple, straightforward process. Our website is owngoldenseed.com. You can pay at the credit card. Minimum investment of only $100. Uh, but the cool thing about it is it creates brand ambassadors for our lifestyle right. brand. And, you know, to have national exposure before cannabis goes legally nationally, I mean, we're building, a, we're building a base in all these states. So how has no one done this before? I think people are intimidated by the fact the SEC is a federal agency. Yeah. And could you really get through that? Uh, and it's not inexpensive to do it. Right. And so we took the risk that we could get through it. Great Securities Council, Kendall Almerico, he's done other Regulation A offerings, and it's been a great experience. And so is this a precursor to a more traditional IPO, or what, what does this get you 
from a financial perspective and, and what happens next in, the, in that regard? Well, this offering is, you can have it open for a year. Mm-hmm. Our offering is for $10 million. Uh, we can close it at any time if we want to look at changing the valuation. Uh, it's how, gonna... how sticky is it that, in other words, if someone makes an investment and then they decide, I don't want to be in it, is there a commitment or is it liquid? Can they get out of it? Uh, they'd have to sell that to another individual. So they'd have to find somebody. There's not a market for it. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah, but so our goal is to use this to re- reinvest in facilities, marketing and building the brand and just keeping our debt low. All right. So tell us about how you see this market growing for you. What does it mean to be a lifestyle brand? What, is it, what does that mean in terms of different products? You mentioned hemp, but give us the whole portfolio as you envision it. Well, what I'd like to say is that we're going to be one of the strongest vertically integrated companies in both hemp and in cannabis. And, you know, early on when I was talking to private equity groups, being a cultivator is not going to be creating a lot of enterprise value. Right. You know, Coca-Cola is going to buy a Gatorade. They're not going to buy a production facility per se at a big valuation. So for us, it's continuing to grow that brand, get exposures and stakeholders in other states. And we think that'll be very attractive, you know, when the consolidation happens. And you do anticipate that there's going to be more of it, or there has to be, right? Absolutely. Because it's going to be economies of scale, right? Yeah, we heard that from Curaleaf, that basically, like, we're at this moment where there are a lot of smaller players that are going to to get uh, sort of either put together somehow or another. Uh, So how expensive is expansion, though? Because you do have to be essentially vertically integrated state by state. You can't really have any kind of cross business, right? Uh, we're not planning on going to any other states You're until not, it's, okay. uh, there's potential to license our genetics in other states. Okay. We've been exploring that, but not, we won't be doing that anytime soon. A lot of business in California at this point. I would it's the largest legal market in the world. What do you see as the biggest risk to your industry right now? I think uh, the regulatory risk and kind of the confusion around that causes a lot of expense, a lot of uncertainty, and uh, it's really kind of random how they enforce and do you imagine that you will do acquisitions, uh, you know, there in California? Because there are other smaller players, right? Yeah, we're looking at some opportunities right now where we may uh, bring some in under our umbrella. Okay. And I think, again, if you have a company that's looking to acquire, you have multiple lifestyle brands. Right. Uh, that'd be a good target. You yeah. also can combine your cultivation. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, this is... A classic sort of scale business in in some ways, I would imagine. But I do wonder about cash burn, right? As you wait for the regulatory environment, it's got to be kind of tough. Or is it? Once we start our cultivation, our first harvest will be in May. Yeah. That'll be the turning point. Okay. Hey, good to check in with you. Very interesting. Come Um, back and see us as as it grows up as it were. All right, Scott Goldie <laughs> really? is the CEO. Really uh, I did. Well, you know, you, what did you do earlier? You did something earlier. The deer, the deer um, bucking, deer the trend. bucking the trend. I don't even see how you I can know. criticize me I for know. that. That was a really bad right. one. Scott Goldie is the chief executive officer of Golden Sea based out in Santa Cruz, California here with us in New York City today.